This episode of the If You Ask Betty podcast is brought to you by Alternative Media. Are you working on a massive project and need some help? A&M offers a wide range of professional services from e-learning and training development, comics, graphic novels, 3D model creation, and virtual reality experiences. Follow Alternative Media on Twitter at A-N-M underscore tweets to stay updated or visit alter-native-media.com today to set up a free consultation. Welcome to the If You Ask Betty podcast. This podcast is designed to discuss all kinds of development topics for all kinds of learning professionals. I'm your host, Betty Danowitz, and today we're talking with Matt Pierce about Dungeons, Dragons, and L&D. And my buddy Dan Hurt is also joining us today. Welcome, Dan. Uh, Hello, hello. Hi, Matt. Hey, everybody. Hey, thanks for being on the podcast today. Can you help our listeners get to know you a little better? Can you give us a quick intro about you and maybe even how we met? Yeah, so um, my name is Matt Pierce. I'm the learning and video ambassador for TechSmith. They're the company that makes Camtasia and Snagit. And yeah, awesome tools. My background is, uh, so I've been an instructional designer for a long time, but my kind of path is meandered. Uh, Started doing training way back when, uh, eventually ended up at TechSmith doing instructional design and moved through a variety of different roles. I was a manager of our training team, of our documentation team, took over technical support for a while, was actually at one point running all those, which was pretty crazy. Uh, After having a bunch of reports, like about 20 reports for about, I don't know, a year and a half, two years, I was like, I wanna do something different. Uh, I jumped over to marketing where I actually led a video team and then a video and social media marketing team and also took on PR, which I always say I had no right to do because I know nothing about PR. Um, (laughs) And then ended back up doing training stuff, which then evolved into my current role where I lead the TechSmith Academy, which is a free online learning platform teaching things about video, images, you know, how to rewrite a script, how do you record better audio in whatever environment you might be in. So a lot of L&D geekdom kind of stuff. I love board games, love playing games, love uh, just, you know, talking about video and things around that kind of general space. Very cool. And how did we meet? Well, we, well, the first time we actually met, we ran into each other on the airplane. And I remember (laughs) you gave me this look like, oh my gosh, it's Matt Pierce or something to that effect um, as I was walking by in the aisle. And I was like, oh, hey, it's Betty. Um, and so, you know, then we yeah. rode, uh, I think an Uber didn't show up. So we took a lift to the hotel at uh, ATD Technology. Yeah. So I tell that story a little differently. <laughs> um, as that, I'm sure so anyone would. <laughs> I do. I do. So I w- this is, okay, I'm going to tell you my version of, of, of this story because I think you, it'll paint a, a better picture of what really happened and you'll know a little bit more about me. So I'm getting the plane. I'm sitting down. This is long before uh, COVID-19. So take, you know, try to try to take yourself back to when life was different than it is now. And so we're in the plane. I sit down. I put my seatbelt on. And um, I look up and I see Matt walking down the aisle and I'm like, my first thought is, I know him. And then I like literally sat up super straight in my seat and pointed at him and I went, hey, I know you. And he, (laughs) everyone around me kind of looked at me and he was like, hey, I know you too. And then he high fived me and then he went and sat three rows back and then that was it. And I was like, 
what a dork I am. I totally just fangirled you as you're walking down the aisle of the airplane. What is happening? For what it's worth, I don't know how to respond to those situations ever. Like, like, how do you know? Most of the time it's like, how does someone know me? This is really weird. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I think I said something like, I feel like I said something like, that never happens to me. And you were like, yeah, that happens to me all the time. Yeah. You've got this, you've got this small part of the world, Matt, that just knows your face. You are super famous with that, like 2% of the entire globe. I don't even think it's 2%. It's like the Ellen, D percent, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll go with 2%. It's that, it's that picture of you where you're looking thoughtfully up, like with your finger on your chin, like everybody's, that's what everybody knows Matt Pierce as. That's what I'm doing right now. Is that weird? I know. I believe that. I totally believe that. Well, now that we've cleared the air about how we met. um, So one of my very first interactions with you, not personally, obviously, but sort of electronically involved Dungeons and Dragons. So um, as my as my buddy Dan likes to say, cards on the table. Mm. Right. I don't know much about that at all. In fact, this is what I know. I know that it's a role playing game. And I only know that from the Big Bang Theory. And anything else about it it, that I know is a high-level religious messaging that really doesn't apply to me anymore. So uh, I'm a complete – thank you. I'm a complete amateur. So so let's start this whole conversation off by tell us what is Dungeons & Dragons and more or less how do you play? Like you don't got to get real detailed, but just give give us the gist of it. Right. So let me let me back up a little bit and we can talk about what Dungeons and Dragons is. But it's so it's interesting because I've just fallen into this in the last couple of years. Uh, Basically, one of my kids was like, hey, dad, this would be really cool. And I'm like, "Okay, I'd played as a teenager like a lot of teenagers do. Uh, And so I started getting into it and it led it's led to a lot of really cool experiences. And that's why I like talking about it, because it's helped me make some deeper connections with people in our industry, but also. Uh, with people at work. Uh, so Dungeons and Dragons, it's essentially a role-playing game, meaning that there is no winning the game. You are you take on a persona or a character, and then you, along with several other people, are going to go on an adventure, right? Think of Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, something like that. Um, and there's a quest, usually, and you can then go interact with this imaginary world in any way that you see fit. And it's all determined what happens a lot by dice. Like, so you say, I want to look to see if there's something here. You would roll a die and it would, the result, you know, the higher, the better. And it would help you, the the dungeon master or the leader of the game, the main storyteller, if you will, to say like, oh yeah, that's great. Here's what you see. So it's totally kind of this improvisational uh, role-playing storytelling game. And my role typically is I'm the dungeon master or the game master leading people on the adventure and quest. And there's, you can go out and buy books that will give you these adventures or you can make them up. And, um, I've played some of both now. And so, uh, I love it because it brings people together and you get to explore, you get to, you know, you get to have fun, and sometimes it's the most kind of like these funny, hilarious, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that happens. And people will roll the die and amazing things like, oh my gosh, can't believe that actually worked. Or like if you get what's called a natural one, you just completely fail. And and it's like, so that's a really fun aspect that it's not completely like whatever I want. Some of it's based on how you roll, which is completely random, mm-hmm. uh, but it makes for some great stories. And 
I actually been playing at work during lunch. So we, you know, I take a one hour lunch break and about, uh, I've got two different games, but typically there's one group I've been playing with for quite a while now. We play one hour a week. And so it's super slow. We don't get very far in this, these game in these games. Uh, but it's a nice kind of step away, uh, from the world, step away from work, have, you know, we eat our lunch. We're having a little fun describing things and, you know, they're doing silly stuff sometimes. And it's just, it's really brought me closer to that group of people um, in ways that like just working with them probably wouldn't have done. So we like really enjoy being together and it makes, it's kind of the thing we all look forward to each week as part of our work week. That's cool. I used to, I used to have a group that would play games too. I would have to kind of strong arm them, but we played like Yahtzee. So it's not quite, not quite as much fun. I don't think as what you're describing. Huh. Well, I think, but any game, right? Like, so I think that's the idea that we're getting together into a different mindset than yeah. just play, like just working on stuff. We're talking yeah. about, you know, we, we talk about family, we talk about kids, we, you know, we have those relationships too, but there's something about just getting together and, and instead of being even competitive, it's very much a cooperative thing. And I think for, for me, at least it's really fun and it's fun to see how creative and clever they can be. I mean, this is going to make no sense to probably 95% of the people if you've never played, but imagine you've got a, a creature that you've got to fight and you do, it's way power, more powerful than you. And you've got someone who can cast a spell to change it into something. This actually happened in a game. He changed it into a snail and it, the dice worked out in his favor had a, like a 75% chance that it would fail, turned it into a snail, and they totally wiped, like as a, a dungeon master, I'm like, oh, crap, now what do I do? <laughs> I, I, there's no fight here. So it was super, super fun, and they just like, the creativity was really awesome. So it's fun. So you said, you've said dungeon master a couple of times, um, which I think I'm going to add that to my job title on LinkedIn. I mean, I think... I really like that dungeon master. Anyways, but gotta go. The, gotta, gotta be careful. It has a couple maybe connotations. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's kind of where I'm going. So, like, as the dungeon master in Dungeons and Dragons, you are like facilitating the game, basically. Absolutely. So basically, I'm laying out the world before them, right? Like, so let's say they're in a room. They're going to ask questions or they might be talking to each other and asking each other questions. But if they want to look around, they say, hey, can I look to see if there's a, a secret door? And I say, yeah, go ahead and roll the die. And then they've, you're, you have a character sheet that gives you like you get to add plus one or plus two or negative one or whatever. So I'm facilitating what's happening. The dice are determining kind of outcomes based on, you know, there's like certain levels of difficulty. But if they want to do something we work through it or I'm describing what's going on, but they're making decisions and choices all along the way. And those decisions and choices can affect what information I might provide them. It might affect like how another character in the game. That's not one of them reacts to them. Like if they're being total jerks, people aren't going to be nice to them. And then they might have to be aggressive or someone might be aggressive towards them versus like if they're trying to persuade someone and be nice, you know, that's going to have different impacts. So very much a facilitator of what's happening. I'm not trying to beat them. I'm not trying to kill them. I'm just trying to lead them through the story and they're determining what they're doing. And the dice are determining kind of the probability of something happening or the amount of information they're getting. Hmm. And I said that because I'm trying really hard to focus and uh, imagine what you're saying. It sounds really fun. Dan, are you there, Dan? I, oh, I'm here, man. So tell me, because Dan had mentioned that he has tried to 
use the concepts uh, around Dungeons and Dragons in his learning solutions. So, um, so I guess what I'm wondering is, how does I mean, what do you what do you think, Dan? Is this what you thought Dungeons and Dragons was? Yeah, well, I I had poked around at it a little bit. You know, there was um, and Matt, I don't know if you're a fan of the show called Community. You know that one. I am. Yeah, so you, I assume you know the I'm episode. I'm familiar with the Dungeons and Dragons episodes, at least. I watched those. Fair, I mean, I've watched that one a bunch of times because it's, it's a terrific show if you guys are interested in a good show. But uh, that episode I thought was just dynamite, and it kind of piqued my interest a couple years ago. Um, I knew about it before that, but I, I was working through this gamification certification um, that I was, I was working on, and I had this idea. We were trying to come up with some sort of program around change management, and, and it was manager training around change management and I got to think and I put a couple things together and I thought well the the I don't want to say the randomness but there's certainly a randomness within the story for Dungeons and Dragons that you could have that sort of scenario to really have a, a kind of an organic uh, a spontaneous and a one-of-a-kind change management sort of program that changes every single time um, and I was specifically looking at uh, generational differences in the workforce, which I've kind of gotten away from um, in, in principle. But uh, I, I thought it would be a, a good opportunity to put those two really cool ideas together. One being, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, which has this really, really rich kind of rule set. And then one is this generational change management manager training for the workplace. And uh, just before I tell you the outcome, Matt, what, what do you think? Do you think those two things could go together? Do you think that you can pull enough out of D&D &D to get something out of it for, for L&D? What, what are your thoughts? So I, I do think you could probably make it work, but I think it's a lot about the rule set, right? Like what, what happens in the world? Because unlike uh, Dungeons and Dragons, where there's fictional things and you can kind of make things up, the, in the real world, based on how, depending on what you're looking for, if it's a performance-based thing, you know, like you want to reward people for being successful at whatever task or skill they've been able to use versus having the dice determine that. So I think there's, I think there's relationships with the role-playing, with the understanding the scenarios, creating a rule set that would help guide someone, like kind of what happens next. But I, I definitely think it would be challenging, but I think it could work. Yeah, I, I, I wish I had talked to you before I spent four months on this, but um, <laughs> because, it, yeah, it was challenging. And I think one of the issues was, and you know, this being a dungeon master and what everything I've learned about it, because I'm not, but everything I've learned about it is that is an intense, intense role that requires a lot of preparation. A lot of, a lot of TLC has to go into that and you really have to know the world well. And then, then you, like you see, you play by those, those, uh, those rules that are set out. So um, I found that, I think like my conclusion was Dungeons and Dragons work because people are passionate about it. They're passionate about having fun and they're along for a ride. I think if you tried to apply that to a work setting, it, there's, I don't think the ROI is going to be high enough for the investment you'd have to make into it. I, I don't, I don't doubt that whatsoever. I think what I'm more interested in with like Dungeons and Dragons is not trying to take it and convert it into some training or some module or something like that. But I think there's lessons for me that I've learned mm -hmm. that have been really valuable about me as a storyteller, as someone about like, how do I convey information? Like I've realized there's been times when I'm playing the game, I'm like, oh man, I'm not very good about like giving these types of details. And it's made me kind of reassess. And as I've looked at my work, it's made me think about like, you know, how am I conveying this information 
you know, and it doesn't have to all be story based or role play based, but like, how am I then now conveying this information to, to whatever I'm doing, whether it's teaching someone how to make a video or, you know, talking about programs like Snagit or, or whatever it might be. What drew you to this game? So you, you've mentioned that, uh, that you, when you were a kid, you got to play it and really liked it. Talk to us a little bit about that. How did you get into it? Do you remember initially what who introduced it to you and all of that? Yeah, I mean, I had a an old, I have two older brothers. My oldest brother he played with his friends, and so I was you know youngish. I didn't the rules were much more complicated back then. I didn't really understand it. I just thought it was cool. You know, I was that I was that nerdy kid. I loved that kind of stuff. Um, and I in high school I played with a couple friends. I'm sure we didn't play anything correctly. Um, but I got into like I got into like fantasy books where I was like reading about these different worlds and like I just like it was as a, I was not a reader as a young kid I struggled with reading and it the books that I read it's called uh, Dragon Lance there's a whole bunch of them they're all paperbacks I don't it's hard to find them now but that was one of the things that pulled me into the world of reading and I read a ton of them. Um, you know, and so that was kind of the the catalyst, right? Like I love that world because it got me excited about reading, which, you know, whenever you open that box for someone, it's, it's super exciting. But then it was like, I didn't do anything with it, right? Like, I'm just like, okay, that's, that was a nice part of my past. Uh, that was fun. But uh, Wizards of the Coast, who owns Dungeons and Dragons, and they create all the stuff for it. Basically, they came out with a new edition, it's fifth edition, and like I said, my son was like, hey, dad, I really want to try this. I think he was like 15, 16 at the time and kind of blew it off. And then uh, about two years ago, I think it was that we were like, OK, let's do it. And we, we invested, bought a couple books and started playing with some of his friends. Like I was DMing for this group of you know teenage boys, which was super fun. I was like at work, I was like, hey, guys, I'm doing this thing. It'd be really cool. We should we should try it. And a couple of people were like, yeah, that'd be awesome. Let's try it. And we did. And we played uh, one game, kind of the same people for about a year and a half. And then everyone's kind of like, yeah, Whoa. I know. One game? When you put, one game, a year and a half, hour at hour a time, a couple times we'd play, you know, like we'd take an evening and play for a couple hours, but it was all one story. And, wow. and then we all finally said, hey, do you know what? Let's this is great. It's our first experience. Let's take a break. And then we had a friend do, uh, that was in the group. He, he led something that was different than Dungeons and Dragons, but you know, still a role-playing game, uh, using Jenga blocks. It was pretty interesting. Um, Hmm. and then I, we've done a couple other things that are much smaller scale, just getting together. So that, I mean, that's really the catalyst. It's, and the thing that keeps me coming back is I enjoy, I mean, I enjoy the fantasy of it, but I just really enjoy the time I get to spend, talking with people and again seeing seeing them and that the come up with their ideas and trying to do things it, to me it's just a blast and mm-hmm. I, I have played very little actually because I've always been in this kind of this leader role but uh, I'm excited to it's fun to play and in fact one of the things I've done is I have started when I when it makes sense when there's physical conferences which aren't happening right now but one day. when there are, I've, I've been inviting people just like, Hey, do you want to come and play? We'll do a, a one like couple hour game just real quick. It'll be super easy. Uh, I provide most everything everybody needs and we just get together. And that's been super fun, especially because it brings, it's a way to get together. People bring some beer, have a drink and we have a, you know, good time as kind of a commu- part of our community. 
That's awesome. That's a super fun way to get people to come together. Um, and so, okay, so given that, so you've played mostly as the dungeon master, though. So, but who would you say are your favorite people to play with? Like, and what about them? What makes them a good player? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you were out there looking for your ideal Dungeons and Dragons group of peeps, like, what, what makes people good players? So I'll tell you, the first time I did this, we were at a TLDC conference, and it was in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, the first year they held it there. And I think we had Kara North, we had Craig Cyber, we, we had a bunch of people, I think Josh Cavalier was there. I don't even remember everybody that was around the table. But let me tell you, there's this term that we use called murder hobos meaning they just kind of kill everything. <laughs> they just are like <laughs> randomly like, and it was, it was fun. It was like super chaotic, but like Kara North is like, uh, and sh she knows we call her Trogdor for a reason that she's just going to start burning things and setting things on fire. Like, Oh, where well, we're supposed to be helping the these, these villagers. Guess what? We're going to just set everything on fire. I mean, it, so super chaotic, super fun, not probably the way most people like to play. Um, and I wouldn't want to play that way all the time, but it was, we just had, we laughed and we, you know, it was after two days of long conferencing, which, you know, is just like super draining. It was just great mm -hmm. to get together and have that kind of this catharsis of we're doing something like silly. We had, you know, it was fun. Um, beyond that, I, I like, like I said, I like playing with people that are creative. I love my mm -hmm. work group just because again, those are people I see every day at work and uh, it's brought me just deepen those relationships and created some really great friendships that I'm, I'm grateful for. So uh, all sorts of players that are great to play with. I had a, I had a question cause you know, you said you had started a little bit in uh, in just training in general. And I, I've found kind of as a trainer, I feel more comfortable as a host than a guest at, at parties or anything in general. Do, do you kind of maybe see that same sort of overlap and, and maybe that's why you have strengths as a DM is because you've been a trainer and a facilitator that, you know, that person at the head of the room guiding people. I think that's probably a, a good connection that I haven't thought about. I, I mean, I'll be really honest. I, I put on a really good front when I'm out at events and stuff, but I'm, I'm pretty much an, a, a really big introvert. Like I, my energy is drawn from, I need my alone time, but I'm, I'm, you know, I can, I can go out and I can do my thing, be an extrovert and I can, you know, get people together. So I, I do think there's probably that facilitation skill. Um, I think being on camera, doing a lot of video probably mm -hmm. has helped because as a DM, you're, you're, you're always telling the story, right? Like you're always shifting and, and I, you know, you're always coming up with something different. And if they, like if they go completely left a field of like where the story is going, you just have to roll with it. And I, I like that kind of the improv stuff. Not that I'm, I think good at it, but I like doing it. Uh, it's also a chance to work on some, uh, you know, little, some character voices. I, and I enjoy that kind of stuff. Grew up, you know, Ooh, let's listening. hear one. Let's hear one. <laughs> okay. Well, this is, uh, gosh, I should have thought about before I said that. Uh, okay. So I, I typically, you know, you'll meet somebody, they've got to go around talking with this, you know, maybe a Scottish accent or something like that. You never know what you're going to be doing. If they're going to be in the bar getting an ale or something, you know, talk to the bartender a little bit. So. Oh my gosh, my face. I'm, oh my gosh, my smile is going to just fall right off my face. I cannot. <laughs> nice, job. nice job. That was so fun. Do it again. Do another one. Do another one. Give us one more. Give us one more. Okay. I got to think about a character I did. How, I, how, sometimes it's hard because I, I get excited and I'm like, oh gosh, how do I do it? Um, 
Yes, so so very well we're talking about these things. You know, it's not a very good accent, but it's one that we could do in a pinch. You know, you might want to play somebody that's a little bit more, you know, Russian, Slavic, whatever. It's pretty good. You know, you do okay. what you got to do. Okay, so we got, we got, this is the, these are the accents on this podcast. We got Midwestern, <laughs> that's me. We got Canadian, that's Dan. What are you talking about? Uh-huh. A? A? Uh-huh. There we go. At the same time. That was amazing. Um, and we got Scottish and Russian. That's fantastic. I'm so happy right now. So, yeah, I mean, so that's, I mean, it's fun, right? Like, because you get to explore, you get to explore choices, you get to explore consequences. It's like, as a dungeon master, you're like, you also get to see, like, put out choices. Like, I think this makes for good life things, too, right? Like, in... In a, a, an ideal learning environment, you would have your learners have choices and they would get to experience consequences of their choices without harming them. And, you know, it's so it's a complete learning experience when someone's in some room and there's you're trying to figure out a puzzle or what to do. Like it's to me, that's exciting and fun. Um, but it doesn't feel like learning. It doesn't feel like, you know, this onerous weight of, oh, gosh, I've got to figure this out. It's like, oh, how do I figure out? how to get around this trap or this puzzle or what does that person really want? You know, why is that bartender Scottish? How did he get there? And you know, whatever. So, but it's not directly L and D stuff, but like, I think there's some connections that I'm making in my life that have helped me. It's helped me become, I think a better presenter, more confident storyteller, more confident at, you know, engaging with a group of people in a way that's much more dynamic than just standing there and talking to them. So you you seem to have pulled some stuff from it into your world. What about the group of people that you play with? Do you do you see that they've also maybe pulled a, a tool or two from it that they've implemented? That's a really interesting question. I'd have to ask them. So they're I don't I don't play with anybody that does training or learning development. We've got a marketer. We've got UX person or two. Uh, we've got a what we've got an IT person. Like we've got a mix of people. So. I think it would depend on the the length of time that they played with us, but uh, I don't really know, but it's an interesting question. Um, But I I think similarly, the the ones that I'm really close with would say the same thing, that this is the thing that, especially on a hard week, you know, it's just good to step out of our world and Mm -hmm. stop thinking about stuff and say like, hey, we're going to go to this distant place where, you know what, things are probably equally messed up or worse, but we, (laughs) we, you know, we have cool powers and we have things that we can do and you just step away. Like we played at lunch today and uh, we actually just wrapped up one of our campaigns, which is basically the name of a game. What, like that's, we ended the game. Um, and it was just super fun to kind of debrief about it. Like, Hey, like, what did we, they're like, what did we miss? What, what kind of things could we have learned more? And, you know, just get the chit chat about like this fake world that consequences are, you know, worst thing's going to happen is your character's not going to continue on, but nothing bad happens to you. How do you feel that this game helps you do what you do? Like, what influence does it have on your work? We sort of touched on that a little bit, but I'm just, I want to sort of think a little bit more high level. How does this game help you do what you do? Again, first and foremost, just it's that stepping away. I ever, I don't think we do this well, right? Like, I don't think, I don't know anyone that does the stepping away well from the games from the the work, right? Like, I, especially now that I'm working home, it's kind of weird because I like I immediately come to my basement after I get ready, and I'm in my basement working all day, and then you know I might pop up for air once in a while, get some food, and and you know I'll take a lunch break. But like I'm not really disengaging 
and using different parts of my brain in, in that way. So I think that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing. And and then I've learned like from a kind of that on your feet creativity, right? Like, because people are random and they're going to throw random stuff at you. And that's true of everyday work that I do because I'm, you know, I'm in forums on, on social media. I'm creating live videos. I'm doing all these things and being able to switch gears kind of quickly and mm-hmm. still keep it focused and relevant is uh, it can be tough. I mean, that's just, uh, it's, it's hard. It's draining, but I, I feel like every time I'm playing and I get to do that, I'm, I'm sharpening the saw a little bit like, okay, Hey, oh, look wow. That's you a- busting out Franklin Covey uh, I, words. That's awesome. I know, right? I'm sorry. <laughs> interrupted you. Go ahead. I got excited. No, no, that's, it's the thing though, right? So I'm sharpening the saw. I'm, I'm, I'm using those skills. It's different, but I can see like how it's helping me with those just kind of mechanisms to say like, okay, I, hey, this is this is pretty easy. I can switch contacts. I can do these things. Um, which in a game like Dungeons and Dragons, it's not a board game where everything's kind of like every turn is the same. It's always constantly different, right? You're always yeah. every, every, and some of it's, you know, like turn by turn. Some of it's kind of open free play. And so it's just always changing. And it's, I think it's really helped me to, to step back and say like, the work that I do is very similar. Yeah, I think you're I think you're setting a great example too because you're you said the words like let's step away and play. And like that's important, right? Because if we're going to boost our creativity and and boost new and innovative thought, we have to do that. Um we have to we have to find a break in concentration and find something new and creative that sort of lights up the board and gets the dopamine flowing in a different way. Um, and those things are really, those things are all super important to productivity. Um, so I have a question, Dan, do you ever do that? Do you ever step away and play? No, no. I mean, you know, I've got, I've got a five-year-old and a one-year-old and, and they, I, I by default am playing with them sometimes doing stuff, but I don't really take time to, to just focus on something like this. And this is something I was thinking about actually while you were talking about it, Matt, because this is, this is a game that's obviously from a time where there was less distractions and uh, you're Mm -hmm. not competing with, you know, three channels on TV anymore. You're competing with everything and all these online player games. Um, So it's, uh, I'm surprised, not that, I don't want it to sound rude, but I'm surprised that there's still people playing it given all the distractions that are out there. So um, I I don't know. Do you you ever have to convince people to play or is it it, it hard to get buy-in on this sort of thing? Are they pretty much on board from the go? Most people look at me like you play Dungeons and Dragons. That's Mm -hmm. weird. (laughs) Um, But the thing, so and I, I'm not an expert on this, but I know that, uh, so Wizards of the Coast is actually owned by Hasbro and they've reported that they've had their biggest, last couple of years have been their biggest consecutive years wow. of growth for the game. So it's it's immensely popular right now. But what we're seeing is a shift, right? And this is a, applicable to us in L&D too, is that uh, a lot of tool, there's a tool sets that have moved online. So like I can literally play from here with a map that's a virtual control that everyone can see wherever they are. We've got voiceover. So we got like tools that allow that play to happen anywhere, although it still happens face to face when that's a thing. Um, but then you see this rise also this culture of there's podcasts, there's videos of people that are playing. There's this immensely popular show, show called Critical Role. And it's... I. They they started they broke it into seasons so those are really the campaigns or different games they're on their second season they've been playing 
the two seasons have been going for five years now. <gasps> when I, yeah, the same and game. What's it's it's a second. They're in their second game, but same world. Oh, but okay. when they okay. when they started their second season, they're just. They just paused episodes because of everything that's going on, but they're almost at their hundredth episode. They play every week for it's about four hours. But they when their first game that they played of this new season, I tuned into YouTube to watch, and there was like ninety some thousand people watching their stream on YouTube mm-hmm. live. And then they they have it's on Twitch most of the time, where it's like uh, they're streaming live and they're getting huge numbers. Uh, they're not only super successful; people are watching. Get this. Four to five hours of content every week. Wow! Every week. And now, to be fair, they're they're voiceover actors, so they've got some talent there. They're really good. They're you know because their actors are really good at the role play, but they have done this incredible job of creating this immersive story that people are really interested in. And in fact, they're turning some of their first campaign and their first story. Uh, into an animated series that's going to be on Amazon that they they did a Kickstarter for and they raised eleven million dollars. <laughs> wow! Yeah, nobody's interested in it. I, I'm right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the thing there's so there's almost wow. like this counterculture thing, right? Because I I totally agree. It's it is hard. People don't want to step away from the digital or whatever. But there's something still fundamental in our I think our makeup as humans. Mm-hmm that we want to connect. We want to sit around the campfire. We want to tell stories. And this is a really interesting way to do that. So I think there's value in that. You know, in our world, we I hear it all the time and I, I just, I, I roll my eyes when I hear it and it's like, oh, classroom training's dead. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We we can refine it's it. Dead. It's just, it's just, it's, it's not a single solution anymore. Right. It's not dead. Yeah. It's it's not dead. Like there's good reasons to get together. And I think, you know, things like Dungeons and Dragons remind us of that. It's a way to, you know, escape a little bit. Um, it's And people want the face-to-face connection. And it's 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 super cool that it's, it's able to do that. Um, I think we'll probably see more games, you know, figure out ways to do this because it's, there's value there, but it's, it's so to your point, it's a growing medium. Uh, you know, who knows if that growth will last, but the people that are doing it are, you know, having fun and it's uh, super immersive. I, I think you have, you've really hit the nail on the head with this classroom training idea. And for me, it's it's around that shared experience or, or to be a cohort, you know, like when you go through new hire training at an organization, there's the one person that you see that's been there as long as you and you know them all the time forever. Um, and, and just that team feel like you were the same six people that joined the company at the same time, or that maybe if the, if the in-class session was intense enough or interesting enough, you all shared a bond. I think that that really goes a long way with this. And I think that that's, that's what this seems to have on top of everything else, because you spend that amount of time together, trying to solve problems, trying to work together. I think, I think it's terrific. And, and you're right. I, I agree. I think, uh, classroom training should be. Well, used when it's appropriate, that's for sure. But uh, it's it's definitely not dead in my eyes. I was just going to jump in and say you guys are both describing community. And that's what I'm hearing is that this game and any game really, especially one that role that has roles in it and that you have to solve problems or you're or you're moving in a certain direction together. But any game creates that community. And that is a basic human need. We're all feeling that right now. Right. Um, as we're moving through this, you know, coronavirus pandemic, 
um, we're, we're feeling that need for community. So, you know, I'm hearing creativity, I'm hearing community, I'm hearing, um, adventure. I mean, it's, it sounds, I mean, it sounds really cool. So I really like how you took something that's not part of what we do, right? So the Dungeons and Dragons game, like at all, it's like, it's not at all part of learning and development. And you use those principles and you're innovating and creating something new with it, right? So everyone in the industry is kind of like looking for ways to be creative and innovative, but they also want to be relevant. So I just want to kind of take this this conversation about Dungeons and Dragons and, um, you know, how you're learning about community and you're learning about creativity. And like, what are some high level things that you've done to be innovative in the work that you do? Really good question. So like I already have a really weird job in terms of L&D because I'm not an instructional designer. I'm not creating the day-to-day kind of training. I'm doing a lot of customer education stuff. I'm doing stuff that's not even about our products. Uh, So I'm not making like a tutorial video on how to do something in Camtasia. I'm making these high level, like you're just brand new introduced to the idea of making a video, right? And so what I'm I'm trying to do, and I whether I'm doing a good job or not, I'll let the world decide, but is starting to step back, like, for instance, applying things from Dungeons and Dragons is like everyone starts at level one, right? You're all everyone's a beginner at some point in their life and you gotta level up. So mm-hmm. like today I was on YouTube and I was talking about what to do if you hate your own voice, right? Very common thing that happens with people when they're asked to make a video or if they're asked to record audio, they're like, I don't want to hear my own voice. Oh, that's awful. And it really struck me is that like the people I'm trying to talk to right now aren't even the people that have a video editor. They're just like, they're not even there yet. And so, but really trying to say like, okay, how do we, how do we lift that tide for those folks? Especially now that there's everyone's kind of thrown into work from home and you know, you have to do stuff differently than you did before. So I think that's kind of one thing that I'm, I don't know if I'm being innovative necessarily, but I'm thinking a lot about and how do we do that well in such a way? Because I don't, I don't necessarily remember what it's like to be at that point. Like I know I, at one point I didn't like my voice and I still don't love it but I'm okay with it. Right. I'm okay listening to it again. And I know so many people that aren't, I think the your other voices, your voice is lovely, Matt. That's what I tell people too. It's like, you're, you're fine. Just get over it. <laughs> 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 what else can you do? Um, so I think the other thing is I, I I've been thinking a lot about community. Uh, this is broader, broader theme because my title, I have this weird title with learning and video ambassador and what is, but what does community mean? Um, when I started off kind of in this, this role, the idea was TechSmith was going to build a community. Like that's what we were like, Oh, we're going to build a community. And I started looking at like, there's some great communities out there. Like I, I, you know, a lot of praise for Articulate and their, their e-learning heroes community. There's some others that we looked at. And I, and I really realized you don't, build a community. You don't build it and they, people come to it, right? Like you form community and mm-hmm. y- you know, like the things that I wanted to do, I don't think would have worked. I don't, you know, we've been very successful with the TechSmith Academy. I mean, it helps that it's free and we've got a good platform of people to talk to, but I think the thing about it is, is we want to be helpful and the more helpful we are, the more we benefit, right? Like it's a symbiotic relationship. I will help you all I can 
because I know that goodwill at some point will pay off. And it doesn't mean that I expect everyone to go out and buy product or, you know, do anything specific for me. That's not what I'm there for. I'm there to help. I'm there to make people successful. And if I can do that, you know, at some point karma comes around, people will, people will respond and it might not be what the way I want it to be, but I really believe that they will come around and do stuff that it will be beneficial, whether it's helping me out with a project or they'll give me some good insights or maybe they'll buy the product. But that's, again, I think trying to really apply that as an approach uh, feels very different than I think a lot of opportunities other people have. Dan, do you have any other questions for Matt? No, no. I think I think you just brought it home real nice there, Matt. Yep. Beautifully said. Um, so as we are wrapping up, I want to ask you a couple of quick questions that I ask all my guests. So the first question is, how do you align your passion with your work? Well, I get people together and I play <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> every week almost. Um, and then I try to be a good evangelist and bring other people in, you know, hey, come come play with us. I get a lot of weird looks like, you no, but it's okay. I mean, that's one thing, but I also, I love, I mean, my other passions are like, I love talking about the things that I have spent time learning. Like I love talking about video. I love talking about audio. I'm, I'm not the most knowledgeable out there of everybody in the world, but I know stuff that I, I really love being able to just to help people. What message would you like to get out to our listeners? What would you want them to remember? It can be topic related or not. I think the one that we talked about stepping away once in a while is really awesome message. So go do that. Step away for a little bit, you know, get immersed in something outside of whatever you're currently doing, whether that's work or news or whatever, it will be really good for you. The other thing, if I can do a little plug is go check out the TechSmith Academy. It's something that I put a lot of time into and I'm, you know, it's been a fun project. Uh, I hope to really add to the amount of content we've got there, but there's some really great stuff out there. We've got some fantastic interviews with people like Bob Pike, Trish Yule, Shannon Tipton, Sam Rogers. I mean, all people who I'm, if you don't know those names, there's probably somebody in that list that you do know. It's totally worth going and listening to what they, listening to what they have to say. Very cool. And how can people connect with you if they want to after the show? So you can find me on Twitter at PierceMR. I'm on LinkedIn. You can search for me there. Just Matt Pierce TechSmith will find me in most places. You can also, if you have a question about something, just email me. Like that's probably the easiest at m.pierce at techsmith.com. Well, thank you so much, Matt Pierce, for sharing your thoughts today. And thanks, Dan, for being part of this conversation too. You're the best co-host um, a show could ask for. Yeah, uh, you're welcome. <laughs> okay, good. So uh, thanks so much, listeners, and watch for another episode of the If You Ask Betty podcast soon. Peace out. <laughs>